Today, today, if you may, I would like to tackle the number one myth about money. The number one myth about money. Simply stated, it's this. The way to have more is to hold on to what you have as tight as you can. I say it's a myth because while a lot of people believe it, it's not really true. When you hold money with an open hand, you might lose some, some might fall out, but guess what? You can hold more. You're open for more. When you have a closed hand, right, you may hold on to what you have, but it's hard to get more in a closed hand, which is why in international circles, this is a sign of anger, right? A closed fist is a sign of anger, but an open hand... Even a dog knows what that's all about, right? And let's not get into whether dogs or cats are smarter. Even a dog knows. (laughs) Okay? He comes up, he says, hello. When it comes to money, when it comes to money and stuff, our tendency is to be tight-fisted. Our tendency is to have a closed hand and to think we have to protect us. And that tendency can cause us to miss God's best. Those of you that know me know I can be particular about my car. This is where those of you that know me can go, no. Those of you that know me know I can be particular about my car. Sounds good. No, I like a clean car. I like a freshly waxed car. I like a car that's had the floorboards vacuum, baby. I like a car that when it turns the corner, the glimmer is like a J.J. Abrams film and you see all the flare and glow as the car kind of turns the corner. That's the kind of car I love to have, which is why when I was younger, it was so hard for me to loan out my car because not everybody treats a car the way a car should be treated in my worldview. Okay, and in 1994, in 1994, Jenny and I bought our first new car. The smell, this was before children, mind you, okay? The smell of that new car, the shine. I waxed that car three times a year. Oh, I love that car. Um, And within two months of that new car, a very good friend of ours, Graham, his car broke down and needed transport needed to borrow a car for a week well jenny and i had two cars we had our we still had our old car and this new car was now our second car so not only did we own a new car but we had two and i've talked before if you have two and somebody doesn't have anything you should probably share okay it's basic preschool theology and so i lent graham the new car the car that was only two months old and i need to fill you in on graham would graham would pull up and the car door would open trash would roll out. Graham, I hope you're not listening. (laughs) But it's true. Trash would roll out. He was not the cleanest guy about his car and about his house. Why would I do that? Why would I lend Graham my new car? I had learned a painful lesson a month before when the car was only a few weeks old. See, Jenny and I, when the car was brand new, just a few weeks old, we drove up to Indiana to see mom and dad. They lived in Indiana at the time. Mom is smiling. She remembers this. Dad drove us to go out to eat. I think it was, or we went to the mall, right? We were going somewhere. Fort Wayne. We drove up to Fort Wayne. Okay, so we drive, we drive in. We park the car. Dad sort of cut somebody off for a parking space. I mean, it wasn't, you know... Did he, didn't he, ah, you know, and we kind of had a chuckle about it and, and we left the car and went in about our business and didn't think a thing about it. And when we came back, ah, the passenger side had been keyed. 
Yes, I think they were grumpy that dad cut them off. In that moment, you know how people say that, that God speaks in a still small voice? In that moment, God was shouting, Max Vanderpool, whose car is this? Your car. <laughs> whose car? Are you going to worship this car? Are you going to protect this car? Are you going to hold on to this car? Do you know what I prayed that day later? God, God, please don't wreck your car. <laughs> please. <laughs> I never had that scratch repaired because I wanted it to remind me of the fact that it's not my car. I need to have open hands about the car. So when Graham came along several weeks later and needed to borrow one, I lent him the new car. And he was floored. He was like, I can't believe you. This is your new car. Why don't you lend me your old car? I don't he was just floored. I know what Graham was feeling. I've been on the receiving end of that kind of weird generosity. When Jenny and I were first married, uh, we were offered uh, two different honeymoons, one by my grandmother who had a house in the Virgin Islands, which we didn't go to because, one, I didn't like flying at the time. So you can all sympathize with Jenny later and say, oh, man, your hubby gypped you out of a Virgin Island honeymoon? Yes, he did. Okay, and you know, maybe we'll go to court. I don't know. Um, and so instead, instead, we had a, a wedding in Michigan the following weekend. So we had to be back, and we had to be at that wedding in Michigan. And we had a friend in college whose parents, Dr. Justice and Barb, he was always Dr. Justice. You never called him by his first name. But his wife was Barb. Okay, Dr. Justice and Barb, they had a lake house on Lake Michigan. And they offered us that house for the week. Not only did they offer us the house for the week, he was a busy radiologist at one of Chicago's you know, premier hospitals. And they took time out of the week. They drove to Michigan, got the house ready for us, the sheets. They stocked the kitchen. They built a fire in the fireplace all for free. It was just an amazing... I mean, Jenny and I were floored. I know you're, some of you are sitting here and you're like, I wish somebody would loan me their lake house for a week, right? Okay. Of course you'd feel that way. Generosity, when you're on the receiving end of generosity like that, that's a wonderful thing, isn't it? It's an amazing thing. It's a beautiful thing. It's attractive. And when people are generous like that, they're just showing us what God is like because God is generous. God's a giver. Uh, the most famous verse in the Bible, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave. Oh, so you've heard of that one. God loved, so God gave. Love and giving are kind of connected. Jesus makes the same point when he's talking, uh, giving a sermon, the most famous sermon, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6. He says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moth you know, can destroy, thieves can break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where neither moths can or rust can destroy, thieves can't break in and steal. And then he says this, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Money and hearts are linked. And where your money goes, your heart is sure to follow. And that's, that's the, the, the takeaway from that thing. In Luke's version on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus brings up money right smack dab in the middle of talking about judging, condemning, and forgiving. And then he talks about money. I went to seminary, and I have to tell you, Jesus was messed up. Money and forgiving and condemning and, 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 and judging are not connected. Actually, they are, and Jesus was right. So if you brought a Bible, I want you to open it to Luke chapter 6. That's where we're going to be today. Luke chapter 6. Um, Jesus brings, out, brings up money 
But again, it's not really about money. It's about your heart. Okay? And so in Luke chapter 6, he says, he he, he basically says, uh, look, and and we'll just read verse 37 to get us going. Luke chapter 6, verse 37. Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Don't condemn others, or it will all come back against you. Forgive others, and you will be forgiven. And you and I look at that, and you and I, as long as we're not angry with anybody, you and I can go, yes, right on, square on. They should forgive. They should not just, you know, and, uh, and Jesus is spelling this out. The reason he's spelling this out is because the preceding verse, Jesus says this, you must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. Your heavenly father is a compassionate father. And the kind of compassionate father he is, is that he's slow to judge. He's slow to condemn. He's quick to forgive. You should be like your heavenly father, slow to judge, slow to condemn, quick to forgive. And then because the measure that you use in judging, condemning, and forgiving is the measure that God is going to use toward you. Um, If we don't judge or condemn, God's not going to judge or condemn us. If we forgive, God forgives us. Jesus makes this kind of link. And these are issues of the heart, aren't they? And they always involve other people. If I have a judging issue, it's about somebody else. Somebody else is involved. If there's a forgiveness issue, typically there's somebody else involved. It's hard not to have a judging, forgiving, condemning issue and not have it involve other people. And Jesus wants us to see that not giving, same thing. It's, if, you're, if you don't give, if you're not a giving person, it's hard for that not to affect other people because it's an issue of the heart. It's not about the money. It's not about the stuff. It's about the heart, um, which is why in the next verse, he goes right in and he talks about money. Verse 38, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Jesus is using what would have been a common sight in the first century marketplace. Here's what would have happened. You would go to buy grain. The seller would pour grain in a container, cap it, shake the thing like, no, tomorrow. The grain would settle, creating room for more grain to be added. The seller would add more grain until it was full. And then, boom, you have a full container of grain. Only Jesus is going more than that. Look at what he says. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over into your lap. It's that old saying that preachers used to say, you can't outgive God. That's what they mean by this. It's rooted right in what Jesus says. Um, the picture is clear. When you're a giver, when, when money and stuff is flowing through you and you're a conduit and you're a good manager, you're not going to walk away empty-handed. You're not going to walk away broke. God will supply your needs, and that's the connection. Um, when someone is stingy, don't you know people in your life that are stingy? The, those people at work, your boss, you know, I mean, you've run into people, haven't you? And they're stingy, and you're like, man... Why can't you be, why do you have to be so stingy? And that stinginess affects other people in the office. It affects other people in the family, doesn't it? Because it's a heart issue. It has nothing to do with the money. It has nothing to do with the stuff. It has everything to do with the heart. Remember the first week when I mentioned some rich people like Bill Gates? 
if Bill Gates were to die, someday he is, and we were to find out that he only gave away 2% of his net wealth, all everybody in America would be like, hypocrite, you said you were going to be generous, you said you were going to do this, and you only gave away 2% of such a vast fortune, we would judge him for that, and rightly so. And so stinginess affects other people. In Matthew's, in Matthew's version of this sermon, when, when Jesus is talking and preaching of this in Matthew, in, in Matthew's account of it, he immediately follows up talking about money by saying, and by the way, don't worry. It's silly to worry because you can count on God to provide what you'll need. He talks about flowers. He talks about uh, all kinds of things, the birds. And he says, God, God provides for all of those. God can, God's going to provide for you. See, giving... Giving is a beautiful thing. And when you and I become givers, we reflect the character of our heavenly father. But again, right, the tendency in our culture is to be tight-fisted. Okay, that's the tendency. To illustrate this point, I want to talk about water. You've been wondering, right, why is there running water in church today? I think this picture will help you understand, it helps me understand the whole idea of giving and how it works with God. I brought along two samples of water. These come from two water sources. The, this, some of you look concerned. Are you saying you would drink one and not the other? <laughs> You're shaking your heads. You bet. That's <laughs> okay. The water here, I actually had to rip off the label when I filled this container, this isn't bottled water that you buy from the store. This is from the Green River Basin. Can you, aren't you floored by how clear that is? When I filled the container, I, that's why I ripped off the label. I was like, I'm going to pull this out and drink it because I was in the church truck and I was like, I, you know, so I ripped off the label. This is a free, the Green River is a, uh, I want to get this right. The Green River is a uh, 300 where did I put this out? 384-mile protected waterway. It has over 70 different species of freshwater mussels. It's a wonderful thing. It's got all kinds of tributaries. It's a beautiful river. It's obviously a clean. See, free-flowing water is great. Now, this water here, this water is not from the Green River Basin. This water is from... A stock pond. Stuff comes in, stuff doesn't go out. And so uh, there's two different kinds of water, and that's what I want to... Uh, free-flowing water is good. Stopped-up water, bad. Stopped-up water is bad. Free-flowing water, good. Stopped-up water, bad, okay? When you and I give and we're conduits for money and stuff, it's like clear water. When you and I don't give... Money and stuff comes in, and, and 100% of it just goes for us. It becomes stopped up. Here's what happens with stopped up stuff, in case you didn't know. A stopped up river or a stopped up stock pond, water flows in, but it can't get out. Over time, a layer of scum develops on the top. Have you been driving around and seeing some of these farmer uh, you know, cow ponds or whatever they are? When we don't get a lot of rain and there's no water flowing through, what happens? The top gets this green, slimy film, algae, and all this pond. It's called pond scum, literally. <laughs> and it smells wonderful. I'm not going to uncap this because it would be bad. All right? 
anything that gets stopped up begins to stink. Some of you have just heard the most profound thing you've ever heard in church in your life. I want to say that again, okay? Anything that gets stopped up begins to stink, right? Okay, so in light of this fact, in light of how giving and money and stuff works and clear water and stopped up water, I want to ask a couple of questions. And here's my first question. When it comes to the money and stuff that I manage, am I giving any of it away? Am I giving any back to God? And here's the second question. Over the past 12 months, have I been more like a pipe where the water is flowing freely? Or have I been more like a bucket? Stuff came in, but nothing's gone out. And if so, why? If you're a Christian and you're here today, if Jesus is your master and savior, I want to challenge you with something specific. I want you to consider giving 10% away, giving 10% back to God for the next three months. And and here's why I would uh, suggest that. I don't care whether it's gross or net, but I want to suggest 10%, and I have two reasons why. Uh, One, it's a 4,000-year-old ritual. This, it predates Jesus, it predates Moses. I mean, it goes way, 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 way back, long, long time ago. It predates them all. People have been doing this for 4,000 years. It's got some history. Bell bottoms didn't last that long, okay? Michael Jackson music didn't last that long. This 4,000 years old, okay? That's the first reason. Second reason, it's really easy math. If I make or I get $50 that comes into my hand, 10% of that is... If $179 comes into my hand, 10% of that is $17.90. See, it's easy math. It's really easy to do. Um, And so I want to make two qualifications on that, though. Here's, Here's qualification number one. If you're hearing me and there's a part of you that's getting a little grumpy and you're like, oh, this is the generations wants your money and, you know, this is the whole give money to church thing, let's take that excuse and set it aside. For the next three months, when you're, if, if that's what you're feeling and thinking right now, when you make out those checks, make them payable to Nicholasville Christian Church. Put it in the offering box. Our financial secretary will make sure that that money gets there. Why, why would I pick them or recommend them if that's what you're thinking right now? Because they let the food pantry operate out of the basement of their church a week out of the month, and it's a bunch of old people, and old people don't like change. And they let their church get ransacked for a week out of every month so that hungry people can get food. So if you're here and, you, and that grumpy part is activated, just do that. And, and boom, then, it, it, then it's completely about God. And it's not about me. Because again, it's not about the money. It's about the heart. Now, the second qualification I want to make is for those of you that are here and giving's part of a regular, normal thing, reevaluate your giving. Reevaluate where you are. Pray and ask God what he would want you to do. In a next step, Rick and, and Kay Warren, the, the famous pastor guy, do you know what they did? Every year, they would bump up their giving by about a percent or two. It's nothing, it's just a percent. Over 20 years? That adds up, doesn't it? I mean, if you start out at like 10% and over 20 years, that's like 30% of what's coming in is now going out. That's huge. I don't think, it, it didn't surprise me when Warren hit the whole windfall with uh, the purpose-driven life, because I think from God's perspective, God was like, ding, Rick and Kay, I can count on them. They're systematic, they're intentional, they're good stewards. Uh, so if you're in that category, reevaluate where you are. I was thrilled. Uh, I, I did that last year. 
And uh, when I looked at, when I got the, went through the Quicken, because last week we talked about budget, and I printed it ours off, and I looked at where we were, I almost, you know, uh, I was going to say pee my pants, but I already just did. So I had one of those moments where I was looking at the numbers, and we had give, we've already given more this year than we did all of last year, and it's only October 1st. And I was like, yes, I was excited about that. And so, you know, if you're in that category... Uh, have a meeting with God and with your spouse. Here's some practical advice from Wesley Wilmer, okay? And, and, I'll, and I'll share these with you. Give to God first. Here's why uh, you do that. If you wait until all the other stuff is paid, it'll get gobbled up. I love the way Mike Lesage puts it. He says, when I write my God check first, it seems to work out at the end of the month. Don't know why, it just does. Uh, secondly, give systematically. Make it part of your budget. We talked about budgets last week. Um, Third, give according to your means. A single mom should not be giving the same as a six-figure professional, okay? Factor in uh, your means. Uh, But fourth, give regularly. If you're paid twice a month, give twice a month. Uh, Give quietly. Don't make a big fanfare about it. Don't use it to kind of manipulate and get what you want in, in life and things. That's not what, again, money, it's a heart issue. It's a God issue. It's being a steward issue. Uh, and lastly, give with a proper attitude, out of love and cheerfully. Matthew and, and 2 Corinthians tell us that God loves a cheerful giver. So moms and dads, if, kid, if your kids see you and they see it as a chore, they'll see it as a rule. They'll see it as law. They won't see it as something joyful or life-giving. Um, I preach on this because this is important. Jesus had more to say about money than he had to say about anything else in all of his teachings. And I will admit that I was a wuss pastor for many years in this church because I was afraid to teach about what I should. And so I apologize to you if I didn't help you until now, last year and this year. But I want to help you because you know what? I'm convinced that God's real. I really am. I wouldn't be doing this if I weren't. I'm convinced that God's real. And if I get in my car today and I get whacked and I die, I know exactly where I'm going. I know exactly what comes next because God has told me. And I'm trying to leverage stuff on this life for my future in the other life that lasts longer than this one. And I want the same for you. I want the same opportunity. When I run into you on the other side, I want you to be like, yes! You know, I want you to be encouraged by the decisions and things that you did that honored God here so that you're satisfied on the other side. Um, Over the years, Jenny and I have sold three cars. Um... It, uh, on the one hand, I was when I when I did the math and I looked at that, I was like, "Wow, we've been married over 20 years and we've only gotten rid of three cars. We hold on to cars forever." <laughs> That's okay; they all work and run. Okay, one of the cars we sold for the blue book value. The other two cars we sold for a dollar, which for each of those cars was a lot less than what the blue book value was of the car. But in each of those situations. There, somebody needed a set of wheels, made perfect sense, dollar transaction, no problem. You know, the funny thing is, I've never lacked for transportation. In selling those two cars for a dollar, here I am, however many years later, I have a car. God's provided what I've needed. And so you can be a pipe or you can be a bucket. Me, I'm going to be a pipe. <laughs> I want you guys to be pipes. Because money comes in, money goes out, more money comes in, more money goes out. 
God uses that, and that's what I want for you. I want God, I want you to have the pleasure and satisfaction of seeing God do amazing things in and through you, because it's really, really cool.